when you go into the um, the inner workings of the story, you know, when you get into the nuts and bolts of stuff, even if you're going to have a story about escapism, mm-hmm. you want it to, you want the reader to easily relate to things. Hello, folks. Long time no here. Yes, I am back. Welcome to In Melbourne last week. It has been relaunched for 2019. My name is Ivan Pugioni, and this podcast is a conversation one where I talk to everyday people who do extraordinary things. And after a brief hiatus late last year, I am back with new episodes of In 2019. So I'm really happy about that. I'm really glad to be back and to bring you some more stories about people who do extraordinary things, everyday people from all walks of life. I'm looking forward to bringing their stories to you. My first guest for the relaunch today is a Melbourne-based fiction writer. His name is Jamil Belici, and he also holds a full-time job. Uh, He's been involved in different kinds of creative media, including things like podcasts, and he's currently writing some short stories. He tells me about what he's written so far and uh, how he's managed to previously write over 200,000 words. My god, it just makes my head spin just thinking about it. 200,000 words. That is incredible. That's that's at least a few novels there. Something crazy. Um, he also explains how he's been doing that while trying to juggle life's demands and especially combating fatigue, which he says is quite common with writers. <laughs> fatigue and everyday life. Anyway, it's great to be back and I'm really looking forward to bringing you some more stories. Here's my chat with Melbourne-based fiction writer Jamil Belici. I hope you enjoy this one. So I'm here for my first guest in a very long time. This is the first episode of 2019. I have relaunched this podcast and I'm with me right now is a good friend of mine and a fiction writer based in Melbourne, Jamil Belici. Yes, that's me. Is that Hi. how you pronounce it? Belici. That's close. <laughs> how do you pronounce it? Uh, so in Turkish, you'd pronounce it Jamil Belici, um, but yeah. in, I don't expect people to pronounce that in Turkish. So Jamil's just fine. Because I asked you off air, I was like, surely oh, I should have asked you how to pronounce it. And then you did. And I was like, yes, I'm ready to go. We were pumped. And then I was like, don't. Said it wrong, so <laughs> hope you don't get offended or anything. No, I'm no. leaving this podcast now. That's it, done. Well, you're not the first one, so don't worry about really? it. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's great to have you in the uh, well. It's not quite my studio, but is a another studio I'm using. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, thanks heaps for uh, doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So you have been uh, doing podcasts in the past, but uh, recently you've started. Well, I should say you've been doing uh, fiction writing for a while. So, what have you been writing? Tell us about it. Um, well, I've been writing for a while now and it's been very an on and off process, which I imagine will appeal to a lot of people who get into this kind of caper. It's, it started off as this idea that was bubbling around in the back of my head for ages. Right. And when I finally sat down and said, okay, I'm going to make some time. I used to do this writing challenge in June, okay. similar to NaNoWriMo, but I was busy in November. So I used to, used to do it in June. What was the writing challenge? Um, Rimo. It's it's where you, it's where you write uh, a thirty thousand words like a like a, a short novel in uh-huh. a month. Uh, sounds like a discipline of karate or something. Do you know Rimo? <laughs> yeah. yeah, chapter one. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. And so basically, it, it's basically like a writing boot camp where you would write you know uh, basically thirty thousand words in one month to try to, try oh, to wow. meet the goal. Jeez. And so what I did was I would write this story once a year every year. Um, for a couple of, which is not how you meant to do it. Yeah. I cheated a little bit. Oh, you did? I oh, did. you were a bit but, naughty. You were, what, you were plagiarizing? 
<laughs> Is that what you off mean? Off myself. <laughs> off, my, off yourself. <laughs> um, but you meant to start fresh every time. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah right, right, the idea. right, right. And yep. so I wrote close to 200,000 words doing that of a, of a novel. And so it, it started from this, I had this idea in the back of my head and it turned into this fantasy spy thriller. Oh. And I got to a certain point where I was like, I've been referring to all of these things that happened in the past, but I actually don't know what they are. Okay. And so I got to a point where I was just like, God damn it, I need to go back and edit this all over again from the start. Oh. And then I was talking to my brother about it, and he was like, yo, you should turn this into a steampunk story because he's mad into a steampunk. Oh, sure. And then I was like, yeah, I'm totally going to do that. And then <laughs> months passed of me doing nothing. And oh. I was like, okay, I actually don't want to edit this whole 30,000 words. Well, it's it got into like 200,000 words by that what? point. What? 200,000? Yeah. yeah, or something. Or maybe it's more like 150. So the, it's some yeah. absurd number. Right. So the creative juices were just flowing and then yeah. you just wrote. Yeah, I just wrote. Yeah, I yeah. just just I was kept coming up with things as I went. And um, it, it got to a point where I was like, you have to plan. And this is something I've been meaning, I was meaning to talk to you about. Okay, yeah. yeah, there, yeah. There, are, there are two kinds of writers. Okay, what, what are they? There's the person who will get the idea and meticulously plan the whole thing out. Okay. And there's the other type of person, which I can be both when I want, if I want to be one oh, or the yeah, other. Yeah, right, right. But naturally, I'm that person who goes, I have an idea, let's go. Okay. I was going to ask you if you're going to be the former or the latter, but uh, you've already said the latter. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but I have learned through practice to be both. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, it, it kind of turned into this situation of where I needed to go back. And so what I decided to do was to go back before I wrote the, uh, the novel to the events prior to that Okay. to have it be um, – I wanted to do short stories based uh, off of a, a previous character who was important in the novel yep. but is referred to as having like this kind of backstory. Okay, so, I was like, so it was going to be like that. an origin story. Yeah, I started yeah. to do an origin story yeah. of that character uh-huh. because they, they play into that so well. So the idea was I would have these short stories where if people were interested, yeah. they could read them. Mm-hmm. And then if they you know, if they were interested, they could follow to the novel or if they grabbed the novel got interested, they could go backwards. Right. And so the idea was like this kind of loop of interest. Oh. Well, th- that's the idea. I haven't actually finished either of them. No, but you're getting there slowly. Slowly. Yeah. And, and, and I, I make the time as I can. Yeah, and um, because the ability to write is one thing, you yeah. Know, to yeah. to have that kind of skill or that kind of gift, that talent is one thing, but also being able to sustain it. Uh, uh, it's like speaking a language. You can uh, understanding a language is one skill. Speaking it is the other skill. Yeah, writing's the same, right? Where you can spend um, you can spend months thinking of something and think of okay, I'm going to spend the whole of June, like like I used to writing it and so how i would do that is i would break it up into uh if because if you download if, sorry if you divide thirty thousand in like 30 times yeah it ends up being 1667 words per day per day yeah so, so I, that, that's your ballpark figure that's kind of what you aim for yeah yeah and so i would know that if i could reach that then i would be able to sustain it and so what happens is that you the first couple of days you churn out the words and you get you get ahead, but then you start getting tired, right? Right. And so I used to be I used to be sitting on a train, writing on a tablet, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so uh, you know, I, and you're just trying to grind out as many words as you can. So some yeah. days I would do like 500 words. Another day I would do 3,000 words. Yeah. The idea being that you would build the stamina 
to sustain it, which I suspect a lot of authors have to um, build to. Mm. So what kind of factors would, do you think would you know prevent you from, say, you know, obviously there'd be some days where you wouldn't reach 1,600 words, you'd exceed 1,600 words. I mean, what kind of factors would stop you? I mean, just like everyday life, the daily grind... What else? What fatigue. Else? Fatigue, yeah, that's a fatigue big one. Fatigue is the big one. Yeah, Because there, yeah, there's yeah. daily grind. Sure. And then there's, you know, you're, you're writing fatigue. Because you, your brain is like a muscle when it comes to writing. Of course, yeah. You know, and you've got to keep it up. Yeah. And mm. if you haven't kept it up and you go to yourself, I'm going to go back and do what I used to do. <laughs> I'm going to write Lord of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> a Lord yeah. of the Rings style novel. Yeah. If that's you, not going to happen. It's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And, and you can't do that straight away. You have to build up to it. That would be like a weightlifter trying to say, oh, I can lift 400 kilos. But yeah. you haven't lifted weights in five years. I yeah. can do it. Exactly. Yeah. You get what you mean. Yeah. And yeah. and so you, you can you can discourage yourself really bad doing that because especially if you got into the habit of because some people doing what I was talking about can get themselves to the point where they can write ten thousand words a week. Sure. I've done that before. Yeah. Um, but you if you don't sustain that and think and you sit there and you write only five hundred words in a day, hell, if you write five hundred words in a week. Yeah. And you sit there and you can get really bad into the doldrums, yeah, and, and sit there and be like, oh, I used to be able to write 10,000 words in a week. What have I done? I used like, to be J.A.R. Tolkien. Yeah, and Now I'm the author of Breakfast at Tiffany's, you know, <laughs> writing 90 pages. What's going on? I died with a falafel in my hand. Yeah, I died with a falafel. That, that, was, um, that was a Brisbane author, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, right. I, that's, I've, I've actually read that book. It's oh, like, that's right. one of those books where I've been meaning to read for years. Was that John, John Birmingham? Is that who wrote it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it might have been I'm him. bad at this. Someone? I don't know. Someone. Anyway. <laughs> a person wrote this and it was really good. Australian bloke. Yes. Did it. Yeah. He, I hope he had a falafel when he was he was eating falafels every day. Yeah, he was. And he died with one in his hand. Jeez. <laughs> what a way to go, huh? Yeah, right. <laughs> what a way to go. So how did you come up with, I mean, what, what's the story you're writing at the moment? What's um, Have you given it a title yet or is it still a work in progress? Uh, the, the, the novel had a... a um, had a title called The Republic. Oh, right. And so the the idea of the novel was meant to be, I uh, I had this idea of, in my head, could you imagine what would have happened if, uh, like, like, the Greek republics and the Roman Empire never fell over, like, as if the Bronze Age never quite Oh, right. Over. So as if the Romans and the Greeks, you know, kept going. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, like, yeah. It, they, weren't, they aren't specifically that. Sure. But, you know, analogs of that. Imagine if they kept going and they advanced into, like, the Steam Age was the idea I had. As in the steampunk age, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. The steam age would become a steampunk age, but but, the, but that kind of basic wow. idea, so ancient Rome, because in steampunk times, could you imagine that? That is weird. So that'd be like Mad Max crossed with Gladiator, I suppose. Um, sort of. Like, like, like it depends. Like, because uh, the end of the Bronze Age did get a bit Mad Max, sure, right? Because everyone was trying to get petrol. <laughs> yeah, every, everyone was trying to find copper and tin. Yeah, I think it was more like slaves that they were, you know, trading. <laughs> it wasn't quite oh, petrol. Yeah, a lot of things were going on back in those days. Oh, of course, a lot of um, things behind closed doors and in front of everyone. Yeah, uh, the, um, <laughs> a lot of weird shit. It's it's actually the the, bron- the, the picking the Bronze Age as a uh, an analog for today is actually really good because the. The Bronze Age were an enlightened society like us. Right. If you consider us an enlightened society, but that's beside the point. Um, and they had very interconnected economies. So, you know, one country would depend on the next country for this, would depend on the next country for that. Yeah. And so on. And that's why all those civilizations suddenly crumbled because the whole the, the link just came apart. Oh. And so they couldn't work anymore. Yeah. And then there was marauding sea people and blah, blah, blah. But that's beside the point. So they were their own worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah. And so picking that as a... Um, as a genre point, 
as a as a theme mm-hmm. to, to push forward with I found very interesting because it's even though it's escapism, which is what good fantasy should be, in my opinion. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, you should be able to escape reality and yeah, be in the moment. But it also makes it relatable because even in uh, when you go into the um, the inner workings of the story, you know, when you get into the nuts and bolts of stuff, even if you're going to have a story about escapism, mm-hmm. you want it to, you want the reader to easily relate to things. So if you have a situation of where you have ancient republics, yeah. And, um, you know, instead of like fantastical kingdoms and empires, which are not relatable to today, it makes it, it it's an easy transfer of knowledge. You, you don't need a huge uh, leap, an intellectual leap to go from um, concept to concept. So if you have, um, it, depending on the kind of story you want to write. Yeah. Some people are uh, keen to get into the nitty gritty of details. But yeah, of course. If you make it f- as familiar as possible for the reader, that's not as required, right? Yeah. And so it's it's to do with the nuts and bolts of stuff in the background that you don't want the author, sorry, the reader to see that the author is using. I've heard the old adage about writing stories where you don't tell it, you show it. Is that what you're kind of implying? Yeah. yeah? I mean, I mean, you, you, you want to demonstrate to the reader, but what I'm also getting at is that because a Bronze Age society is fairly, I mean, obviously there are differences, but there's relative... Um, similarities between the, us. Yeah, they were them. the third best civilization of all time. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. Was there ever a silver age? No. Um, I know. Well, no. I know they use golden ages for certain things. Yeah. You know, um, not so much because they went from bronze to iron. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, I played Age of Empires. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. The, the, the point <laughs> the of Stone Age, the Bronze Age. The point of um, the point of iron when it, it was because they because iron was common was very common, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they didn't have the techniques to use it properly. Of course. So it was after the Bronze Age collapse. Well, part of the reason the Bronze Age collapsed is because people figured out how to use iron effectively. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't as dangerous and hard to make as bronze because you had copper and tin instead of just iron. Yeah, of course. So just like, you know, just logistically, that's yeah. how that stuff happens. And now these days we have plastic and metal and yeah. basically a lot of kind of materials. Yeah. Mm. And so it, it's one of those things of where, um, like the, the stuff I was talking to you about having like, you know, having an insight into Bronze Age history and, and what, how, what made them work gives good insight. And it, it, it's good to do with the mechanicals or the, or the mechanics of what you're doing in the background, the author. Mm-hmm. You don't want the, the reader to see that, but they want you want them to experience it yeah. as you demonstrate it to them. And you want them to be immersed in the world. Like you were yeah. saying, it's got to be a form of a good form of escapism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then if if they don't see you doing that, they make those intellectually intellectual leaps sort of unconsciously nearly. Sure. Because you've laid the path for them. Like, like it's, it's like the it's like the Wizard of Oz. You've laid down the yellow brick road for them and yeah. you're the Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. leading them to where you want them to go. Yeah, of course, which I guess you kind of don't really hmm. you kind of don't really want to do. Well, you, you don't want them to see you doing it. No, of course. Yeah. You got, yeah, you got to kind of, you, you can't make it all explicit and yes. say, look what I'm doing for you. Yeah. There you go, guys. But if you've got a good, tr- um, a good handle on your um, techniques, you can make that happen. You can make people think things. That's how card tricks work. You make yeah. people think stuff. Yeah, it's an illusion. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. the same thing with the story. Right. You know, it, the, the author stacks the narrative so it, the card trick works out the way they want it to. Yeah, of course. And you make sure that it, it all works and, uh, yeah, you, you fulfill your ambitions and you fulfill your goals as an author. Well, yeah, because yeah. you need to be very conscious about the connection between the author and the and the reader. Yeah. Even though that somewhat part's out of your control, you know, you're trying to guide them to the place where you want them to go. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make sure you don't lose them. 
Yeah. If that makes sense? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So what, what's the story about? Exactly. I mean, obviously there'll be a protagonist and antagonist. Yeah. Yeah. So what, can you give us an idea of what the story's about? Sure, sure. Um, so the short stories follow the... Basically, he's a young, dumb kid. Okay. Who gets caught up in circumstances like way out of his control. Right. And so he basically starts off like a spoiled rich kid right. on holiday. Okay. Go, going to meet his mate sure. in Atlantis. I see. Because like I was going, for, I'm going for the whole full Greek thing. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the whole the, all the mythology. Yeah. He sees his buddy Minotaur. They go out for a couple of beers. Well, and, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and 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 then Hercules of, comes past and well, you know, that's, says good See, that's the thing, right? <laughs> People just have that stuff in the in the in the back of their head. Mm. And so if you just pull that out, you don't have to go into massive detail into going. I mean, everyone knows what a bloody Minotaur is. Of course. Or a mermaid. Yeah, yeah. Just know. Yeah. Merman. So, yeah. Merman. Yeah. Mer, I prefer, I identify as a mer person. Mer person. Oh, yeah, these days, yeah. You can't assume, That's you know, right. these days, you got to, if you're a mer, you got to be the right one. Oh, exactly. And be identified or, as the correct one. Well, actually, that, and that's why I just call them mer. Mer. Mers. Because it just, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense for, you know, we, we don't call ourselves Hugh man and Hugh female. No. Hugh womans. Or just call them mere organisms. Yeah. That should do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what does this young, spoiled, bratty kid do? What does he, how does he get himself into these meticulous circumstances? Yeah, well, what happens, right, is he's actually literally going to meet his mate on holiday. There you go. Yeah, and in Atlantis. In Atlantis. Is and it an Aquaman? <laughs> no, I mean, not quite. I'm not ripping off DC. <laughs> I promise Warner Brothers, I'm not ripping off DC. No, no, it's all right. You won't get sued. Yeah. They don't listen to this. <laughs> You'll be okay. You never know. Oh, don't never know. Know. people everywhere. <laughs> um, and they're hiring. Hire this man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, hire me. Hire me. Yeah. Uh, they. His mate um, works for the. Uh, he he lives in a place called Alexandria. That's where they're from. Yep. And he he works for like the the government there. And so he's taking care of some government business so, before they go on holiday. So he's a typical public servant, shuffles papers, pretends to do stuff. Oh, he's like a yeah. soldier. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I and, thought he worked in an office or something. I mean, I should, maybe I should have him be an office worker. That'd be yeah. funny. He just shuffles like papyrus, yeah. like papyrus, you know. What are you doing? Oh, you're just sorting these files out. Or vellum. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the basic idea is, is that he's um, on a, a metal trading Sort of, sort of deal. So, he, like, oh. they, they have this kind of metal over there that's really good with, um, that doesn't rust and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And so they want a deal like that in Alexandria, but there's another government that's like, no, screw you. We don't want that to happen. Yeah, right. And so, they, you know, this guy's just going to meet his friend on holiday, and then um, he gets there, and his friend's just not there. Oh, wow. And so it turns okay. into, like, this kind of mystery of, oh. where's my mate? So he's got to find his mate. Yeah. yeah and then okay. he meets up with this um, with this minotaur, actually, who's oh. there. Like, 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 <laughs> I, I, you, I just want to disclose, Shamil told me nothing about the story. Yeah. I just guessed minotaur. Like, I just guessed all these things, I but, swear. But, 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 you know, but you know what? It, and that's why, if, if that stuff's there and people have that in their brain, just, just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Because it's like literally, you, 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 you straight away, you, you, mm. went, you went from mermaid to minotaur. The only thing yeah. you haven't got is the Medusa. I mean, yeah. what? <laughs> Medusa. Yeah. No, there's no Medusa. No, there's no Medusa. No Hydra. No, 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 no Hades. No Hades. Oh, I'm sure. Hades will be around. I mean, like, like Hades, like, are you talking about the god or, the, or like the, um, the place? Oh, the, the dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they actually have, um, that is the religion of the book. Like like Zeus and all them Hadeism. all those cats. Hades, well, not Hadeism, <laughs> but like they they call it Dodecatheism. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, they, they uh, you know all those guys are around as like religious figures, mm-hmm. and um, 
yeah, he goes to find his mate and then, you know, he runs in, he makes friends with this Minotaur guy and um, he was also, you know, he, he's like a, a traitor. And so they just become friends and they, it becomes like this sort of buddy cop thing where they try and find his mate. Oh, no way. And, and, and yeah, there's like, a, there are pirates and stuff like that. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And yeah, so it's wow. all kinds of craziness. I, I kind of, I, I write it, I like a bit of pulp in my fiction. Yeah, of Just course. because I, I thought there's no sense in, in if you're going to write short stories like this in a series of them, you kind of want them to, um, the, the words to fly off the page, right? Yeah, that's and, right. And you want to draw the readers in. So pulp fiction isn't necessarily very, uh, it's not high intellectualism or anything. Yeah, of course. But obviously the work that goes into it is, you know, there's a lot of thought goes into it, but you want the reader to not get caught bogged in details. Of course, yeah. You know, yeah. and so if you're a reader seeing, you know, minotaurs and, blah, and mermaids and blah, 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 it's mm-hmm. just that you're going, oh, this is cool. Yeah. But a bit of thought goes into that in terms of um, making sure that people can make those quick leaps because you want them not to get caught up in the details and, and have their eyes slide down the page. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So it, it all kind of feeds in, you know, all that stuff I know about the Bronze Age doesn't fit anywhere into that. Sure. It forms background. Yeah, and you kind of use it as an influence into your story and into your world. Yeah, yeah. And, and so there's there's all that kind of stuff that um that it's, it's like you know f- slowly builds the, the Lego train set. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm using a lot of it. <laughs> the Lego Millennium Falcon. Yeah, that's right. I'm using a lot of metaphors. Today. <laughs> that's fine. So how how far along are you? Or I mean, I should say, uh, when do you think you'll finish it? Obviously, in June, are you going to be writing 1600 words a day to try and finish it, or you know, push yourself? Or what? what what's the timeline here? Is it going to be later in the year? Do you think um, whenever you're ready? I I think it's going to be a, a situation of um, whenever I'm ready. I I, I like the idea of. Of not rushing things. Yeah. So you're doing a George R. R. Martin style. A little bit because <laughs> the thing with short stories is is that if I have them all done and then slowly release them, yeah, you know, I can just sort of sit pretty in the background. Yeah. Um, I want to start really more realistically. I kind of want to start having um a, a drafted story done by May. Yeah. If I can. Yeah. Are you planning on having it self-published or are you planning on finding a publisher? Well, short story market. Is dead. Okay, sure. You know, I mean, unless I was to find a magazine that was interested. Yep. And you have to be really careful about magazine guidelines. Yeah, and I could imagine as well with royalties, you got to look into that as yeah. well and how they pay you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sort of thing. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the industry, but I could imagine. Um, broad, there's a lot of factors. Yeah, broad yeah. strokes with that is that when, say, for example, you were to, I was to publish in Ivan magazine. Oh, okay. Cool. You would pay me. Um, <laughs> in Melbourne Last Week magazine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You, you would pay me, you know, so many per word or, or, or per length or, how, or, you know, with however many clicks it gets depending on how you publish it. Yeah, sure. And the idea is you have exclusive rights to publish that for yep. like a year or an agreed upon time. Yep. Normally yep. it's a year. A year, yep. And then after that, I would then put it on my website. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know what I mean? On your website, yeah. On my website. And yep. then so... That's how that would work, and so you get the publishing credit, and it's actually not—it's actually a smart way to do it because there's nothing uh, worse for a publisher than some random unknown author they've never heard of, yeah, who they don't know if they're re- if they're reliable or mm, not. Of course, and you got to kind of make your mark, and you got to prove yourself, and yeah. there's a lot of a lot of ropes. It, it's a lot, lot of a lot of effort. It's like building a brand. 
Yeah, that's it's right. It's quite literally like building. You're a building brand. the Jamil brand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the me brand. The me brand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's podcasts. There's different audio dramas, and there's ones mm. like Law, which I'm sure you've heard of before. I haven't. Actually. Oh, Law. So I, I, I'm not familiar with it, but I've heard that Law is a podcast. So this guy, very similar to you, he used to write stories, mm. short stories, and other kinds of fiction. And then probably about six, seven years ago, one of his friends said, "Why don't you make it into a podcast?" Mm. And he's got. Well, I've been told that he's he gets a lot of downloads. It's really popular. And he's got enough, or he makes enough money from his podcast to sustain his family. Wow. Yeah, it's called Law. Law, so L-O-R-E. L-O-R-E, yeah, yeah. So I think he reads either like a chapter of his a story or he reads a short story each episode or something. Or maybe, That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I've, look, I haven't listened to it, but, I, but it kind of reminded me of you because someone did tell me about Law. Okay. I think it came out like probably five, six, seven years ago. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but I was, what I was going to say was just leading into that. Would you consider ever doing like an audio drama or a podcast? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love yeah. to do an audio drama. Maybe read like each short story can be like one or maybe like a chapter of a short story or something. Would yeah. you consider that? That uh, definitely. Um, yeah, it, I, I would definitely because I love the audio drama format. Yeah, uh, there's a company out there called Big Finish who yep. do amazing things with audio dramas. Oh, sure, okay. Uh, uh, and there's another one called Graphic Audio. Yeah, and they what they do is that they will literally um, transcribe the story. But in, like, say for example, if you're if you, there's a scene where someone's running down a dirt road. Yeah. Instead of saying having and a narrator going, he runs down the dirt road. <laughs> they have sound effects of. <laughs> You know, and and they have they have the voice actor go. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah, nice. So it's really cool. Well, if ever you need a uh, <clears throat> voice actors, you know, for your drama, <laughs> you know, well, I might be able to play Rock Number Two. <laughs> rock. <laughs> I'm a rock. Minotaur servant concubine number eighty six. You know, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to give me is fine. Wow, yeah, he only wants the horns. <laughs> Basically. Please. So, do you have any other projects on the horizon, or are you just going to focus on this for now? And uh, I'm going to focus on this for now. Yeah, because um, funny thing was is that I got into um, it's funny, kind of weird to mention it, but yeah, okay, I got into Dungeons and Dragons a little while ago. Oh yeah, cool. and it yeah, had yeah. been scratching that itch a little bit. Okay, yeah, um, but it's it's not the same. But it's a bunch of fun. But uh, in terms of projects, I um, I did have a podcast idea where. Um, the idea is is that you, I run like a consulting firm, yeah, and that people will uh, I will have guests on and not tell them what the topic is, yeah. And the idea is is that like you know the conceit is Kevin Feige has come to me and go, oh, I I, I can't make this superhero movie, and, and I'll tell the like you know say if, if you and someone else is in the audience with me or or, yeah. this, or recording with me, yeah, I break it to you in the episode, sure, and go. You have to help me come up with the idea. Ah, so it's like improvisational comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah improvisational yeah. comedy. And nice. the idea is, is that I give out points to whoever comes up with the best ideas. Oh, that's sick. And, and obviously the points don't matter. It doesn't matter who wins. Yeah, it's, it's like comedy. whose lines it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly matter. like that. But it, it's like it, it's comedy who wins. Oh, wow. And so, that's awesome. you know, and I'll give you a job going, oh, it's this movie and you're the casting director. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and I'll say to this person, you know, oh, we, you have to come up with story beats, beat ideas, and we all talk about it. Oh, and, that's wicked. Yeah. Oh, well, um, whenever that does come into fruition, come back on the podcast and we'll promote it and uh, uh, the book eventually when you do release it. Yes. Yeah, yes. that'd be sick. Come I, back on. I'd love to. Yeah, I'll definitely buy a copy once you're, uh, <laughs> once you're done. It's very kind of you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Jamil, thanks so much for being with me today, mate. It's been yeah. a nice chat. Yeah, lovely. Thank and, you uh, so much. Thanks for being my first guest in my relaunch. Well, I hope it was a good one. Jeez. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate <laughs> no it. At all. Cheers. Thank you. That was in Melbourne last week. Thank you so much for listening. 
I'm always looking for guests, so if you're doing something extraordinary and you wish to share it on the podcast, be sure to send me an email at inmelbournelastweek at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Links to those are in the show notes. You can find In Melbourne Last Week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts. See you next time with another episode with another special guest. Take care. Come what may